Good morning. Thanks, Ricky. You know, I iffed an hour, shall I put a Christmas jumper on? Do I do it? I'm like, oh, it's the 4th of December. So I bottled it. Um, but I will wear one next week, I promise. As Reece says, um, we're starting our Christmas series today. And I just wanted to spend a little bit of time this morning talking through with you the hierarchy of the Christmas nativity scene that you find in most primary schools this Christmas time. Has anyone in here been involved as they were growing up in a nativity at school? Come on, audience participation, put your hand up if you have. Okay, so in my mind, there is a serious hierarchy that goes on with this. So it starts like this. You are in the chorus. That means you wear a little hat and you are either an animal or a star. Yes? Anyone been an animal or a star? You made it to the Christmas nativity. Well done. Fantastic. But there was one better than this. It was those people who got to stand on the stage. You may have been in keeper one or two. You had no lines, but you stood and went like this. <laughs> there is no room, but I don't speak. Or you may have been one of the shepherds that did not have a speaking part. Anyone? Now, let's be honest. If you got to wear a tea towel on your head, you're winning. You're just winning, aren't you? When you had to wear them little things that had gaping holes in the back and your mum didn't send you with a vest, you're not winning. But wearing a tea towel, winner every time. Then we progress up the hierarchy of the Christmas nativity to those characters who had a speaking part. And these were the ones you wanted. These were the ones when I worked in primary school, the kids were fighting for these. They had made it if they had a speaking part. It may have been small. It may have been the angel saying, do not be afraid. It may have been the innkeeper saying, there is no room. It may have been Mary, who actually never says anything. The poor woman travels from Bethlehem all the way to Jerusalem on a donkey, gives birth in front of everybody's parents and says not a word. But that was the one. If you could be Mary or Joseph, anyone? You were well done. You made it. You are the absolute bee's knees of the children's Christmas nativity. The only thing ever in the world that tops it, and there are a few people who have done this, did anyone as a babe in arms play Jesus? Thank you. We have one. Jesus is in the room. We're doing all right this morning. Congratulations. Not many people get to play Jesus as a baby, but there are few people who you do come across in life who have played baby Jesus. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about some of those people in that Christmas nativity who everybody, I think, loved to play them. And it was the shepherds, because you got to wear the tea towel. And if you were really lucky, you got the thing that went round it that was actually plaited to hold your tea towel on your head. Yeah? Anyone wear one of them? They were ace, weren't they? But if you had a really big head, you'd got a problem. Because it didn't fit on and it popped off all the time. 
that was obviously just me. But I want to talk to you this morning in all seriousness about the shepherds. Let's read from Luke 1 and see what the Bible's got to say about him, not what the school nativity tells us. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And this morning, I want to spend a bit of time looking at the shepherds, what we can learn about the shepherds, but also what the shepherds can teach us about our relationship with God as well. And, you know, I always think, everyone thinks, oh, the shepherds, they were ace. Well, the people at the time just really didn't think that. And I think this is really important that we understand this because at the time, shepherds were considered rascals and rogues. At the time, they weren't decent and they weren't respectable people. So it doesn't matter how many tea towels they put on their heads, nobody liked them. They were actually called people of the dirt. That's not a sentence. You want an insult this week, kids, for your brothers or your sisters? Call them your person of the dirt. Not in our house, though, thank you, girls. <laughs> you know, and part of the reason for this was because they were on duty 24-7. So 24-7, their job was to watch the sheep. So this meant that they then couldn't be involved in the Jewish ceremonial or moral law. So there was all these laws that at the time the Jews had to follow. They had to do these things. They had to go to the temple. They had to fulfill these rituals and cleaning and all of these things. But the shepherds were on duty 24-7. So they didn't go to the temple. They didn't fulfill the ceremonial law. They didn't fulfill the moral law. So they were pretty much outcasts. Nobody liked them, nobody invited them, nobody wanted them, and nobody wanted to be with them. They were people of the dirt. Joachim Jeremias, in his commentary, when he notes on Psalm 23, which talks about the shepherd, says this, There is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. Are you beginning to understand? Put away the school nativity. At the time, the shepherds were not liked and were not welcome. They were not acceptable people. And I think it's really ironic because when you look at other stories in the Bible, you look at the Old Testament, you think about Moses and Isaac, and they were shepherds. 
That's what they were. And yet we find ourselves at the time when Jesus was born in shepherds, nobody liked them. Nobody. David, he was a shepherd. But nobody liked them. They were not welcome. They were not wanted. And, you know, I really think God's making a huge statement here. Because the first people that God invites to visit his son who's just been born are the shepherds. It's significant. If everyone else hates the guts and don't want nothing to do with them, yet God, his only son who he loves, is born. You think about it. You get a new house, a new job, and you watch. You get engaged. You have a baby. Who do you want to come and look at those things or to share that news to first? The people who you love the most, surely. You want your family to come. You want your friends to come. You send people a picture of your baby and it's like, I'm going to send everybody a picture of my baby before it goes on social media because I love these people more. No offence to social media, but that's what we do. We invite people to come to our house and see when we've had a baby. We invite the people we love to come to our house. We certainly don't invite people of the dirt to come and look at our newborn baby who is nice and clean. But Jesus... When he was born, God, in his manifest wisdom and excitement about this plan that was going on, invites the people that everyone else hates to come and welcome him into this earth. What's that about? God is making a huge statement with this. Those sheep who were actually lost, and I'm not talking about the sheep the shepherds were looking after I'm talking about the shepherds themselves because they were living outside of the Jewish community. Those that were actually lost were the ones who came to see that good shepherd first. So what does this mean for us? Because surely it must. I believe this is the good news for each and every one of us. You know, we've all failed to live up to God's standards. We all get it wrong we all make a mess. You know, for many of us, we've been deemed worthless and friendless and unacceptable by society, maybe just by ourselves. But God chooses, just like he did with the shepherds, he chooses to show us his glory. Not one person, not you or I, is outside the scope of the love of God this morning. So if you feel unacceptable, if you feel friendless, if you feel like a person of the dirt this morning, I'm here to tell you the good news that you are the first person that God wants to welcome in to meet his son Jesus Christ today. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, Jesus was a baby and he's not here anymore. No, Jesus rose again from the dead. And he wants a friendship and relationship with you this morning. In Luke 5, Jesus said, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that was the first thing that Jesus did. As soon as he was born, the first people that he met was not the righteous, but those who were far from God, those who were far from the Jewish community, 
And he called them in and called them back home. And you know, these shepherds themselves were significant. Alfred Enersheim, in his book, The Life and the Times of Jesus, talks about the shepherds who lived and worked on the fields just outside of Bethlehem. And these shepherds had a particular role compared to other shepherds around in Israel at the time. Their role was to raise the sheep that were then used in Jerusalem as temple sacrifices. So it amazes me that these specific shepherds whose job it was to raise the sheep that were then going to be used to sacrifice for, pe- for the forgiveness of people's sins, these shepherds were the ones that actually went and met Jesus, the saviour of the world, the Lamb of God, the one who came to be the sacrifice for you and for me to forgive our sins. Yeah. These shepherds that attended the natural sheep to bring forgiveness to Israel, then went to tend on the Lamb of God who was coming to bring forgiveness for the whole world. Mind blown. So let's look what we can learn from the shepherds this morning. The first thing I want us to take away this morning was that the shepherds were awake. And I know I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, but the shepherds were awake. Their job was to keep watch in the night, watching the watches of the night. That was their job. They were looking out for those sheep. They were making sure no lions or bears came and attacked their sheep. They were looking after something that was important to them and watching over it. They were awake. And because they were awake, and let's imagine everyone else was probably asleep, but they were awake. And they were awake to hear that revelation of Jesus. And I want to say to you this morning, are you awake and ready to hear when Jesus comes calling? When God sends the news that there is new life, are you awake and ready to hear it? You know, a miracle dawned that day when the Saviour was born. And I believe that today, God wants to do that same miracle. God wants to bring that same salvation into your life. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm a Christian. It's not the point. God wants to bring salvation to your situation, to your relationships, to whatever is going on in your life. And it may be that you say, well, I've never, I've never chosen to know God or say I want to be a Christian. This morning, Jesus wants to meet with you. But if you've made that step this morning, this morning he wants to bring salvation to those dark places into your life. Those places where you've never let him before. Those relationships that are difficult. Those those situations that are hard. Jesus wants to come and be a saviour in your life, new and fresh. But are you awake and ready to let him in this morning and to hear what he's got to say to you? Second thing I want to say to you about the shepherds is this. The shepherds let God define their emotions. Are you ready for it? It says that they were terrified, yes? So this is what terrified means. Terrified, when we split it up, the word terry means terror or extreme fear. The word fied means to become. So they actually became fear. That's what they became. 
Now, I think it's really funny what the angel does because the angel comes, it says they're terrified, so they have become fear itself. And the angel turns up, sees that they're scared, and says, don't be afraid. Now, why? the Bible says they were terrified. So why doesn't the angel say, don't be terrified? Why? Because very often when we find ourselves in emotional situations, we blow the whole thing way up out of proportion and God wants to bring us back to the reality of where we're at. Are you terrified or are you just afraid? Because we make it bigger. We, f- we throw fuel onto our emotions and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and God just wants to say, hold on. I appreciate that you are scared. I appreciate that something is going on. I appreciate that you're sad. I appreciate that you're feeling however you are feeling. God does not want to rid us of our emotions. God wants us to acknowledge them, but the reality of them. And I believe that's what the angel was doing when he said, don't be afraid. Just bring it down to a reality of where you're at. And then at that point, when you acknowledge the reality then I can step in and help you and minister to you. And that was what the angel then did. And they went from being terrified to being commissioned. You know, when, when, Paul, when Paul and I first got married, and Paul used to go away, and we had the girls... And when he would go away for a few days or a week, whatever he was doing... I just really didn't like it. And I would get really scared at night. And I'd just, and my mind would just run away with me. Someone's going to break in. They're going to do something terrible to us. Where are all my exits? How can I get these children out of this house if someone breaks in and they're going to try and come and get me? What shall I do? Oh my goodness. And this was how I would be to the point where I think at one time when you went away, and I don't know whether I ever told you this, when I went away, I think I just must have thought that I was Kevin McAllister from Home Alone because I got the girls like Lego bits and pieces, the sharpest ones I could find, and spread them all by the patio door. And I thought, you come in there, you go stand on them first. And it'll give me even longer to just get out through the window upstairs and jump on there. And I was like, John, that's my neighbour, John, save me. Don't know what he was going to do. But it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger and I'd be scared to death. Lego pieces by the patio door. I'm like, are you a grown woman? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Paul went away to Africa recently for two weeks. I slept like a baby. (laughs) Bed to myself. Remote to myself. And God has done a work in me. What are you saying? I did. I blocked the old window with Lego. It was just blocked. (laughs) There was no Lego involved. Because God has done a work in me. Am I perfect with me in other emotions? No. Am I a raving lunatic with them at times? Absolutely. Is God still doing a work in me? Thank goodness he is. But what I can say to you in this area, God has worked a miracle in my life as I have allowed him to come and bring the reality of my emotions into check and then help me to trust in him with them. You know, One of the best things that I ever heard was to say to God, God, this is how I feel, or this is what's going on. 
Help me work through my emotions. And it's the best thing I can tell you to do. Sometimes as Christians, I think we think we shouldn't have any feelings, shouldn't have any negative feelings. We should be all joy and peace and happiness and all those sparkly feelings that we have. And let's be honest, we feel angry, we feel rubbish, we feel sad, we feel depressed. All of these things can be there and we can feel that way. The reality of it is, is to say, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel scared, God, help me work through this. Bring me in line with your will and purpose. Because when we don't recognize it and we push it under the carpet, it never gets dealt with. We can't deal with something by pretending to be something else. I can't deal with my fear by pretending to be brave. I can't deal with my sadness by pretending to be happy all the time. I deal with it by saying, God, I am sad. Help me. Give me your joy to work through these things. God is greater than your feelings. His peace is stronger than your terror. His love is bigger than your fear. Don't become your feelings. Become who you are in Christ. But acknowledge them and recognize them and work through them. This is very much a journey for me. I can see my husband smiling at me on the front row. <laughs> but I want to encourage you that I know that God can do that work. And I'm believing for it in my own life. And I want you to as well. The next thing I want to say to you about the shepherds is the shepherds pursued Jesus. And this is really significant. If you remember at the beginning, I said to you, the shepherds never left the sheep. 24-7 they were on duty. They didn't go to the temple. They didn't go see whoever. They didn't go and do the ceremonial things that they should do. They stayed with the sheep on the hill. That's where they lived. They didn't move. So what happened now at this point? Why did they suddenly, the people who never left the sheep, suddenly just go, oh, okay, let's go and check this out? Because they had had an encounter with heaven. They had had an encounter that had transformed them and changed them. And I believe this was a taste of things to come with the disciples. Because when the disciples met Jesus, they left everything and followed him. It was a taste of what was to come. Jesus has this effect. When you hear about him, there has to be a movement. There has to be. They pursued him. 1 Peter 2, 25 in the NIV says this. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus is the shepherd and overseer of our souls if we choose to let him be. And we can be just like those shepherds sometimes, thinking, well, I'm just, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this thing so I haven't got time to go to church. I'm doing this thing so I haven't got time to sort this out with God. I'm doing this thing so I haven't got time to get involved in my small group. I'm doing this thing so I haven't got time to go down the youth or the YA things. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm busy. I'm working, looking after my sheep. Someone's got to look after these sheep. These sheep go on and do an amazing thing by setting people free from their sins. Somebody needs to look after these sheep and raise these sheep. But when we meet with Jesus, all of those things fall away. Our family, our job, those areas that we won't let go of. Jesus is the one that we leave it all for and go and meet with him. 
And does that mean our family and our job's not important? No, don't hear me wrong. Don't go too far that way. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus is calling us. And are we ready to follow him and pursue him? And you know, this morning as well, I want to say this to you. I really believe that there's people in here and you've got family or friends or colleagues and you've been inviting them to come to church. You've been trying to tell them about Jesus maybe for years, decades. Today, I want to stand and believe with you. Just like those shepherds suddenly, they knew what they should have been doing. They knew they should have been doing all the ceremonial things. They knew they should have been going to the temple. They knew they should have been doing these things. They didn't do them. But when they met with heaven... When they had the promise of encountering Jesus, all of a sudden, there was movement. And I believe this morning, God wants to say to some of you, those people that you've been wondering and hoping and thinking it's never going to happen for this morning, I believe that God's going to cause a shift this December time and you're going to see breakthrough. I believe that there's going to be movement with them. Just like we saw with the shepherds, the movement and the miracle that God wants to do that in people's lives this morning. So I just want to pray for those people. So if you've got somebody on your heart that you've been praying for a long time, and it doesn't matter whether they come here or where they go, but we're believing that they come into the house of God, that they know Jesus, just raise your hand and we're going to pray for them. Father God, we thank you for each of these people. These people on people's hearts, God, you know every name. God, we believe in just like the shepherds that they would have an encounter with you this Christmas time and they would be drawn into the presence. They would be drawn in to meet with Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that there is movements and miracles this season for people. And God, we believe, God, we believe that people would come and meet with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Next one. The shepherds brought confirmation. I think this is a really odd little verse in the middle of this account about the shepherds. Because in verse 19 it says this, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So we've got this whole account of the shepherds. And then we've got this little verse about Mary. And then it goes on and carries on and tells us about the shepherds again. It's almost like, have you put that in the wrong thing? Why, why is that there? And I believe it's there for this reason. Because the shepherds brought confirmation to Mary. They confirmed to Mary who Jesus was. Now, Mary had had her own encounter with an angel. Mary had then married Joseph, who'd also had an encounter with an angel. But sometimes you need someone outside of your family unit to confirm and encourage, yes? And I believe that's what the shepherds did. And obviously the wise men and other things happened as well as time went on. But I really believe this was significant. At the time that Jesus was born... It encouraged and reminded not only Mary, but Joseph as well. Yes, this is my son. Yes, there are miracles that are coming and that are following. And you know, Mary must have sat at the foot of the cross those 30 odd years later and wondered and pondered. What, what is going on? What is happening? Now for us, we know the whole story. We know that he, he died and he rose again and he ascended to heaven. But Mary at that moment at the foot of the cross must have thought, did we get it wrong? Did I miss something? I haven't done a very good job of looking after the Son of God because he's now dying on a cross. And I believe that this confirmation that the shepherds brought would have been something that would have held her for a whole lifetime and especially in those difficult moments so I want to encourage you this morning help strengthen and build other people's faith 
encourage them, confirm things to them. You know, pray with people, love them, bring joy, peace, kindness. Encourage people in this season, stand with people. I believe that that confirmation can help see us through difficult and hard times. And I think the shepherds, without even realizing it, brought that confirmation to Mary. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is that the shepherds responded. You know, the shepherds could have seen the angels and just gone, well, that was nice. Cup of tea, anyone? And just carried on looking after the sheep. But they didn't. They responded. They said, let's go and see this thing. Let's go and see what it is. Love needs a response. You know, when Paul asked me to marry him, if I hadn't said anything, we'd probably still be where we were because he needed a response from me. He needed a yes, which is what he got. He could have got a no, but he got a yes. Whichever way it is, he needed a response so he knew what was going to happen. And that was just between us. But then it needed a bigger response because he'd asked me to marry him. So to marry him, it needed a response in everything that we then did. We then had to go and plan the wedding. We then had to go and tell people. We then had to sort things out. It needed a response. That act of love that he showed when he asked me to marry him needed and demanded a response from me and then from us. And just like the angels coming and telling the shepherds, the saviour is the world has been born. That act of love that God brought when he sent Jesus demanded a response and the shepherds responded to it. They went to Bethlehem to look into the matter. But they didn't just stop there because once they found him, they then responded by praising God about it. And then they didn't just stop there. They responded then by going and telling everyone about it. Remember, let's go back. These are people of the dirt. People of the dirt going into Jerusalem, being the first to meet the Son of God, praising God, and then, remember, people of the dirt going and telling everybody that they meet that we have met the Son of God. These angels came on the field and this baby has been born. You know, through their watching and wondering, sharing the good news, they were no longer shepherds or outcasts. But they were those who attended the Lamb of God. The Lamb that came to take away the sin of the world. Mine and your sin. And this morning, you may feel like an outcast. You may feel like other people have thrown dirt at you. But this morning, I'm here to say to you that God is calling you and inviting you to come and meet his one and only Son to come and tend to the Lamb of God and his calling on our lives. So this morning, let's watch and wonder and let's respond to his love with praise, but also with sharing that good news, the good news that God loves us and the good news that he sent his son for us. So no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how you've been dragged up, no matter how much dirt you have on you, Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants you to be the one who comes and greets him this Christmas time. I want us to say this prayer together. Can we have it on the screen? We're just going to read it together. If you're happy to. So let's take a moment and we'll pray. Let's say together, Father, 
We thank you for all we can learn from the shepherds. We pray this morning that we would be awake to the things of you. We pray that our hearts will not be troubled, but be at peace in you. May our heads be lifted high, and may we be encouraged in the things of you. Jesus, our Saviour, we choose to praise you this morning. Saviour of the world and of our lives, may we be a shining light for you this week, no longer outcasts, but children of God. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning.